Good morning again, everybody. Uh, let me also remind you that next week uh, we're having a big party. It's back to school Sunday, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. There'll be, uh, I think, a nacho bar, and uh, we'll start serving after the third service begins, and uh, there'll be bounce houses. It'll be a lot of fun. I hope you guys can make it. I hope you guys can invite a friend. And let me just say one other thing. As you can see, guys, it's, um, it's kind of full in here. Uh, we anticipate, especially as we get into the fall, it's going to continue to be full, especially in this service. And I know that we all have routines and we got to do what's best for our families, but I would ask you, our, our 8.30 and our 11.10 are not full. And if there are, uh, if, if it could make sense for you to consider moving to one of those other services, we would greatly appreciate it so we can actually make some room uh, for some other people uh, to be here. So just wanted to share that. I'm really excited as we get into the fall. Going to have some, uh, we're going to kick it off with a really great series. We'll show a video to, to share that next week. But uh, today we continue on in our book, uh, our book study uh, through the book of James. This series is called Faith Works. And uh, what we're doing is, uh, is we are working through, sometimes at Redeemer we just like to open up the Bible and work through it verse by verse, uh, passage by passage, big idea by big idea. And that's what we've been doing. And James is an incredibly practical book that, that has all kinds of things that, uh, that really speak to all of us, exactly where we are in life. And today, uh, this one I think is going to be especially relative to all of us because it's about our speaking, right? Something that all of us do quite a bit. We talk, right? Maybe something more than we do, more than anything else in life, right? Maybe breathing happens more than speaking, but, but it's, it's about our words, and James has some really important things to say about that. And so uh, we're going to open it up. If you brought your Bible today or want to grab the one in your pew or find it on your phone, we're going to be in James chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 8, and, um, and uh, I'd really encourage you guys to follow along as, as I'm working through the Scripture. Before we get into it, uh, why don't we go ahead and, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this chance to come and to, to be here this morning to worship you, to give you our, our time and our hearts and our minds and attention. Lord, I pray as we open up your word where you've, where you've really spoken to us, Lord, that we'd really listen, that uh, we'd have hearts soft enough to hear, that we would have minds attuned enough and not distracted in any way, but focused on what it is you're saying, and by the power of your Spirit, you're saying directly to us, Lord. And so I just pray that, um, that we be fully present and that the words of my mouth, especially today as we're talking about our words, and the meditations of all our hearts, Jesus, would be pleasing in your sight. You are a rock, Lord Jesus, you are a redeemer. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right. Uh, do any of you guys know who Dallas Willard is? Dallas Willard? Couple? One? You know, that's, uh, let me recommend that name to you because he is uh, one of my heroes from uh, really the last few decades. Dallas Willard was a professor at the University of Southern California, but much more than that, he, he was one of the deepest thinking, open-hearted Christian leaders that I know, and, and, and he was a man that really wanted to know Jesus and to actually have his life transformed by his faith. And he did some absolutely incredible writing on that. If you ever uh, want some, some reading, it won't be light, but some good reading, uh, I'd, I'd encourage you to pick up The Divine Conspiracy or The Renovation of the Heart. Uh, really excellent books, and take your time in them. You'll you really know some of the gift of Dallas Willard. But the reason I bring that up um, is because uh, last, last year a, a biography came out about Dallas Willard because in 2013 he died. And, uh, and, and in this passage where James is talking about words, in that biography, it actually shares some of Dallas Willard's last words, these last moments before he died, and, and two last words that I just, I think, are so impactful. And so I wanted to kind of start by uh, sharing, sharing this story with you. Um, let, let, let me read. At 4.30 a.m., a nurse came in to Dallas's room to turn him in his bed. Her visit awakened Dallas's good friend, Gary Black, who was in the hospital room with him. Moving Dallas woke him up too. And when he awoke, Gary took Dallas's hand. Dallas turned to him and in a lucid moment told him to tell his loved ones how much he was blessed by them and how much he appreciated them. Then, after a few moments as Dallas started to fade, he kind of leaned back in his chair, and as Gary described it, in a voice clearer than I had heard in days, he leaned his head back slightly and with his eyes closed said, thank you. He said, thank you. Gary did not feel that Dallas was talking to him, but to another presence that Dallas seemed to sense in the room. Those were the last words of Dallas Willard. Thank you. Thank you, Dallas. You know, the first time... I read that, I actually, um, I was crying because I just think it is such a beautiful uh, moment of, of somebody's last moments, right? Here, and, and, and maybe I was crying partly because here's this man that I so love and respect, and, and he got to have this, this beautiful moment uh, of death. And, and we got to kind of, we get to kind of observe him, like here, when he gets to meet his maker, right? See this God that, that he's loved and trusted his, own, his whole life and, and, then, and then finally see him, right? It's inspiring. I also think that story moved me so much because uh, his last words are beautiful, right? Like, thank you? Like, who wouldn't want those to be their last words, right? To see God and say thank you, right? Um, I am so inspired by that. I want those to be my last words right? 
to say to say thank you and um and 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 I'm also I also am amazed at how I read that a year ago and those two words have stuck with me ever since and really what that speaks to is something that James uh is is really trying to help us see in the passage that we just read and it's really the power of words that words the words that we speak have incredible incredible power and potential and if we're going to think about our our lives and how we can live out our faith how faith works there may not be a more relevant thing to talk about than our words than the power of our words and the potential of our words that how we need to let Jesus Christ lead the thing that comes out of our lips, right? And, uh, and, 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 and how much we actually speak. I don't know if you guys have ever thought about it, but do you know how many words actually come out of our mouths in a given day? You know, I figure it's a lot. I was actually curious, has anybody measured this? And, and the truth is they have. <laughs> there, there are people who have tried to like quantify uh, the word count that you have every day. I guess they put some recorders, a couple of studies that would have been done. And here's what they found. Um, basically, you and I speak uh, at minimum about 7,000 words a day. You say about 7,000 words a day at the least. Okay, that's on the low end. Um, some of us, of course, maybe say less than that, and we like it that way, right? Uh, some of us, uh, have probably said 7,000 words already this morning, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and some of us actually uh, hit the 40,000 range. Actually, in this study, there were, there were three people who hit 40,000 words in a single day. And this will this will help push back a little stereotype. Do you know that all three of them were men? Uh, yeah, it is, uh, this is something else they found. Uh, men and women actually do speak about the same amount of words. It's just in different contexts. And, uh, and, and it's about 15,000 words are where, where most people are. The medium, median range is, 50, is 10 to 20,000 words, okay? So that, that's where most of us are, 14, 15, somewhere 10 to 20,000 words a day. And that's incredible. Like, think about that. Qu- quantify that for a second. In a single week... You speak 70,000 70, words if you speak 10,000 words a day. That is the word count of, of a novel, right? You just spoke Harry Potter in a single week, right? In three weeks, your word count is the equivalent to Moby Dick, right? Has anybody ever read Moby Dick? No. Some of us have, right? That's amazing because that book is so long, right? Uh, in a year, if you speak 10,000 words a day, it's 3.65 million words words that come out of your mouth. That is probably the equivalent of half of the books in the storefront Manville Public Library down the road. We speak a lot. It's incredible uh, the volume that we speak. And, and that's really why James is saying we've got to talk about this. Words have incredible power and potential. And we say so much, so much in the course of our lives, we really need to let our faith work on the things that we say. And, uh, and so let's get into it. Let's get into some of the scripture. I want to read the first two uh, verses, and then we'll talk about them. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So really the first verse um, 
James, in that verse, gives a warning to teachers. It's really a warning to me, right? Um, I have the privilege of teaching, and, and it's not just me. He says, uh, anyone who, who you should be slow to become a teacher. He's talking to anybody who potentially wants to be a teacher. And his, his warning is very clear. He, he's, he's basically saying, you shouldn't be quick to do this. You shouldn't want quickly to rush into this kind of role because uh, there's a lot of weight in what we say. And, and he says very specifically, we who teach will be judged more strictly, right? There, there's, there's a harsher potential for judgment for those who teach. And, uh, and we're going to have to give a greater account for the things that we say, right? That, that's, that's really what the first verse says. And let me just tell you guys, uh, as, as a person who does teach, um, I, I think most of us preachers really do feel the weight of that responsibility. Um, it is a huge privilege, and it is an awesome and terrifying thing to bring uh, you guys the word uh, from the Bible every week. I, I really feel it. One of, uh, one of uh, the preachers and leaders that I really respect say when he became a preacher, he realized that his words weighed 10,000 pounds. And, uh, and man, like I felt that. And, and what he was saying was, you know, I, I, I had no ability to just say anything anymore. I had to realize that everything I had, I said carried such weight, right? I couldn't say anything carelessly or unthoughtfully or without thinking through the consequences. And, uh, and I'll just tell you guys, after doing this uh, pastor thing uh, over a decade, I, I agree with him. I have found what he says to be true. I think anybody in leadership actually would feel that. But as a pastor, I've had uh, people come up to me five years after I said something and say, thank you so much, David, for what you said. It really helped me at that point in my life. It, I got to see God's word. It spoke the truth. And then as a pastor, I've also had times where I didn't think through well enough what I said or I was too careless, uh, and I hurt somebody, and um, I grieve that, and, uh, and, and I'm sorry if I've ever done that to you, and, um, and it's just, it just reemphasizes uh, what James is saying here, that this is an awesome and terrifying thing to preach the word of God, to teach in the church, and we have the ability to, to convey the life-giving truth that God gives through his word, or uh, preachers have the ability to conceal it, to obscure it. And, um, and I just, I'd like to ask for your prayers as I do this week after week, uh, for you guys to pray for me, to do a good job, that I would get out of the way with my sinful self and let God's word come through. And I, I would appreciate your grace when I don't get it, get it quite right, okay? Um, I'm also thankful because James here isn't talking just to preachers. He actually expands it and, and talks to everyone. And there's grace actually here in these first two verses. And so let me read them again, and then I want to show you something. Now, many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Verse 2 starts, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. And so when you read those together for the first time, it feels actually a little bit choppy. It feels like James actually has two different ideas that he's kind of getting at here. Be, be cautioned in being a teacher, and then we all stumble, right? It's two separate things. It's actually not what's going on. There is a word that unfortunately got omitted in the, the NIV translation that I'm reading out of in the Greek that is, um, that is the word uh, gar. 
And, and in the middle, it, it, it kind of shows up there that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And then this word gar is there. Before it says we all stumble in many ways. And what gar means, it's a connecting word. It's for, indeed, but. And what it tells us is that James' thought in verse 1 is related to what he says in verse 2. So really, what, what James is saying is, uh, be careful being a teacher because teachers are going to be judged more strictly. Indeed, but we all stumble in many ways. All of us, even teachers. And if we could keep our mouths in check, right? If all of us could do that, we'd be perfect, right? And, he, and he's kind of implying, but we're not perfect. I really like how uh, Eugene Peterson in the message uh, that, that is not a translation, but an interpretation. I think he interprets this verse rightly when he, when, he, when he does this with it. He says, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person and perfect control in, of, of his life. But what James is implying here in that is nobody's perfect, right? He's saying we all stumble. He's including himself in that, in that failing, which, by the way, in the first century was an incredibly unique thing for him to have the humility to say, especially to the people he was leading, I, I get this wrong sometimes, right? And, and I think the takeaway for all of us is, especially when it comes to this, this subject of the words we speak and how all of us are going to fail on it, that we need to give each other grace, okay? You're going to mess up at this. I'm going to mess up at this. Let's have grace for ourselves. Let's give grace to each other and the things we say. That's the first thing I really want you to hear this morning. Amen? Okay, here's the, here's the let, let, let's keep moving through the passage. Verses 3 through 5. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, right? Um, I don't know how many of you guys have ever had the chance to be on a big ship, like to go on a cruise or if you served in the military to be on an aircraft carrier, right? But I'd heard of a carrier called the USS Eisenhower. Uh, as I understand it, it is one of the biggest uh, carriers in the, in the world. <clears throat> and I looked up the specs just to kind of see how, how massive and big is this ship uh, that these guys are standing on? Here's, it, here, here's some of the specs. 91,000 tons. 91,000 tons. That I, I can't even imagine how heavy that, that is. It is nearly 1,100 feet in length. Imagine like 3.3 football fields stacked next to each other. That, that's how long that thing is. That, the USS Eisenhower carries 6,100 men and women and everything else that's needed to take care of them. That is massive. That is a floating city. Uh, put Angleton on the water, right? Like that, this is incredible. And, and, and here's the thing, look this up too, the rudder on the USS Eisenhower is 0.01% of the length of the ship. It is, it is one-tenth of one percent of the length of that ship. That is incredible that that thing can be steered by, by such a, a relatively little thing, uh, that, that, that that rudder sets the course for that entire ship. And, and really, that is James' point 
when he's talking about the impact that our words can have. He's saying the tongue is like that. It is this little feisty muscle in your mouth, right? It is not that big. It, it, it is just one part of what you do. I, it's like, I think it's like half a percent of the weight of your body. I don't know how somebody figured that out, right? But, uh, but that thing, this little feisty muscle has, has so much ability to control the outcomes and the things and lead the direction of your life. James is saying your tongue has the power to steer everything in your life, right? It sets the direction and the outcomes that you're going to experience. And anybody who's lived long at all, right, I think has experienced and found that to be true. James is speaking truth here, isn't he, right? If you, uh, if you take a moment, I bet all of us can think of a time when we said something or we didn't say something and that directed a whole bunch of other somethings that happened in our life. Take a second. Can you think can you think of one of those moments? I bet you can. I bet some of those are burned into our memories in the positive uh, and the negative. You know, I think about the the three words, I love you, and what an incredible impact and direction those three words can set in somebody's life, right, and continue to set. I think about the three words, I forgive you, right, and, and how much of a game changer those three words can, can be. Um, conversely, like, I also think about how this tongue, as Jane puts it, can make great boasts. And sometimes when we say the wrong things at the wrong times, uh, man, there is so much destruction and damage that can follow from what we say. And that, that's really where James takes us next. He, he, he wants to point that out in verses 5 and 6. He says this, Likewise, the tongue is the small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. It's a devastating uh, assessment of the tongue. Now, I won't get into too much detail here, but um, a number of years ago when I was in seminary, I worked for uh, American Airlines, and I, my, my uh, name for my job title was I was a bag monkey. Um, I, I, w I took bags, and I got them on planes. If your bag got wrecked in Lexington, Kentucky, it was probably me, and I'm sorry. Um, and, uh, and one of the things that we would do on, on that job uh, wasn't just bags. We'd service the planes. We'd get them out. And uh, we, they were smaller jets, and so we had, like, this little machine with two wheels and, and this thing on the front, like this pneumatic lift, and we would get it underneath the front wheel of these planes and then elevate it and then drive the plane backwards out onto the tarmac so it could then go straight because planes don't do reverse, right? And, um, and, and, and when we, also that was terrifying, by the way, $26 million and you could control it with a steering, it was terrifying. But uh, we, we'd drive that thing back and, and you'd put on the, the, these headphones and a, and a mic, just kind of like this, actually, and, uh, and you'd kind of uh, coordinate it with the pilot, let him know what was going on. And w one morning, uh, one of my coworkers 
was uh, was doing that. He he was getting on on the driver machine thing, and he put on the headphones and he was talking to the pilot. And the pilot uh, said some some really mean, ugly, careless things to my coworker about about another coworker. And uh, my coworker actually reported this, and um, and this pilot, who was I believe a year and a half away from retirement, uh, ended up losing his job. He he lost his job. He lost uh, whatever threshold he was going to reach at retirement. Everything changed for this guy uh, with just a few words, and it's just an illustration. Of, of how incredible uh, impact negatively our words can have, right? And and really, that that is what James is, is trying to to let us know that that like this happens. And and he gives this really potent illustration of a forest fire. You guys know these forest fires the last year that uh, last year that were burning in California. There's more that are doing it today. Uh, as I understand it, there there they were three last year of the biggest forest fires ever in California's history. And, uh, and one of those fires started uh, in just an incredible small way. Somebody got a flat tire and drove a little too long on it, and the rim of the car hit the asphalt and threw some sparks over to the side. And, and that is what started this forest fire that created so much destruction in, in California. And, and it's just, it's incredible. The point James is making is, is that sometimes something small or careless or that we haven't thought through or even meanly intended, it can be absolute fire, man. It can, it can be terrible in the impact that it has. Uh, and, and, and we see that, don't we? Like all over our world, maybe to a greater degree now than ever before, one little bit of information that's misinformation in a 24-hour news cycle, man, spreads like wildfire. Wildfire. Uh, in, a, in this world of social media, man, uh, you know, things just move so fast. Gossip and lies in a community move 100 times faster than the truth does. And, and, and it's just true. I've seen it. People get up in arms. And what James is saying is be careful with what you say. Think about what you say. There's a world of hurt. Unlike any other thing that you can do with your body, there's a world of hurt in the tongue, and, and there are, there's hellish damage that can happen. Uh, and, and so he's saying be careful. And let me get to the last verses, verse 7 and 8. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. All right, so James' um, James' last point here is that, uh, I'm sorry. The, the, the thing in those verses that really stick out to me is this statement that James makes where he says, no human being can tame the tongue. Like, it's untamable. You cannot do it. No, none of none of us, unless you're not a human being, can can make this happen. And uh, and, and re really, he makes that point in contrast. He says, like, there are we've tamed tigers, right? We have taken birds of prey from the air, 
and put them on our forearms and taught them to attack things, right? We've taken giant whales and moved them to flap their, 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 their arm. Have you been to SeaWorld, right? Like he's saying there's incredible things that we've been able to do. But look at this, this tiny little tongue, no, no human being has been able to tame it. And, and, and I was wondering, you might be too, does James, is that what he means, that we cannot tame it? That it's impossible to tame it? Because why, why is he telling us all this then, right? Like, if we can't do it, what's the point in telling us? And, and the answer, I think, actually is yes. I do think he thinks that we can't tame it uh, without God's grace and work in our lives. But uh, what we're going to find out next week as we continue on is that with God's grace, actually we can. That the, the tongue is connected to the heart and that the way that you deal with what comes out of your mouth is you deal, you let God's grace work in what's going on in, in your heart, right? And so, so he's not saying you can't do it. He's saying you can't do it without God and you need God's work in your life to be able to do it. And that's, that's next week. But, but for this week, what I really wanted to do was just take everything we've heard and give you two things to hold on to, to hang on to, to think about how you can respond to this and apply it to your lives. And, and, and so let me offer two points. Here's the first. I think we need to humbly recognize the power of our words. I think you and I need to, to recognize that in our mouths is this incredible, incredible power. The, there, there's potential, there's power, and it can be used for good or it can be used for not good things, right? And, and, and we've got to not just mindlessly speak. We've got to recognize what's in our mouths and we need to, to, to have humility when, when, we, when we take on this power. And really that, that comes from, the, the, the humble piece comes from a, a, something that, that's a detail in this passage that inspired me. Um, verse five, uh, and back in our scripture said this, likewise the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. And that word for boast there, in the Greek, uh, literally the image is to boast is to raise one's neck, like to lift, it makes one lift up their neck. The tongue makes you lift up your neck. That's what, it, that's what it's doing. And, and, and the image I get there is like when somebody says something that you don't agree with and you don't like, and you're like, what? Right? You lifted up your neck. Like I, I see the kid on the playground, somebody's talking trash, and he's like, what, are you going to do something? And the kid's like, yeah, I'm going to do something, right? You know what? Uh, th- th- that's the image that James is bringing to mind. And the thing that I'm reminded of is like, uh, when you lift up your neck, how does that typically go for you? Not good. That never leads to good things. When, when our pride comes in there, <clears throat> some of us got whooped down on the playground. And, um, and, and, and what, what James is saying is that, that's what our tongues are going to want to do. So we need to humbly be careful with that. We need to humbly uh, recognize that there's this power and, and, and we, we need to be aware of it. And then we also need to be aware that if we're not able to back down in those moments, we don't have power over our tongues. Our tongues actually have power over us, right? That there's a power in the tongue that can take over the way your life goes uh, that, that you don't know how to control. There's a rabbi named Joseph Telushkin who's written and speaks regularly on the power of words. And um, he, when he's speaking, one of the things that he'll often ask audiences, he says, can you go 24 hours without saying something critical or unkind to someone or about somebody else? You ever 
Think about that for a second. Can you go 24 hours without saying something unkind or critical about someone else? Can you do that? Well, when he asked the audience it, uh, some people will say, yes, I can do it. And then a lot of folks will kind of laugh and, and say, no, I don't, I don't think I can do that. And um, what he says is, you know, you guys are laughing, but this is actually really serious. Because if you can't go 24 hours without drinking alcohol, what do we say? You're addicted to alcohol. If you can't go 24 hours without smoking, what do we say? You're addicted to nicotine. If you can't go 24 hours with saying unkind words to other people, you're addicted to those unkind words, those criticisms. It's got a hold on your life. And I think he's right. And, and I, I think that, that there's an awareness and a recognition that that power in our mouths is a power that can come over us. And some of us may really need to do some heart work and ask for God's grace to, to have some change there, right? There's power. Uh, here's the second thing that, that I'm led to from that. Um, Proverbs 18.21 is a really wonderful proverb. If I wanted you to memorize a verse from this this Sunday, it would be this. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So it, it acknowledges a lot of what James is saying, that there's this negative power in the tongue, right? But the thing that I love about this proverb is it also recognizes the positive ability that the tongue has, the, the, the way that our tongues can speak life to other people, to ourselves, into situations that need to have life in them. And, and, and it also says when we do this, right, we're going to eat the fruits of those good words, good things will follow, right? And, and, it, and what, I, what it reminds me is that, man, positive words, uh, good things that we say, this intention to speak life can really make an incredible positive difference in your life, in your relationships, in the world around you. And, and I think that's something we need to embrace as Christians, as followers of Jesus. I read a story about um, this congressional program that gave internships to foster kids. And uh, these were kids who had aged out of the system and, and needed some jobs. And so it would give these, these kids uh, some opportunity. And one, one morning, there was a congressman who Walk, uh, walked into uh, his office, and there was one of these interns in, in his mailroom. And the intern was actually uh, doing great work. He was organizing uh, the mailroom, and, he, and the, the, the senator really appreciated it. And so he said to the intern, this is amazing. The mailroom has never looked so clean. Thank you. You did a great job. And he looked at the kid and said that. He got back to work, and, and really shortly thereafter, he ended up back in the hallway and there in the hallway, he saw this kid crying, um, and he was really confused. And so he walked up to, to him, and he said, son, are you okay? Like, uh, what's going on? And the kid said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And the senator said, did I do something to offend you? And, um, and, and the, the kid said, no, you, you didn't. And he said, so what's wrong? Like, why are you crying? And this was the kid's response to the senator. This is the first time in my life anyone's told me that I did something good. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, and just to think that just uh, a kind word to a kid like that could, could bring him to tears, could make uh, probably a huge impact in the way that he sees himself and his potential in the world. It's beautiful, man. He spoke life, and it speaks to the way that, that really... Uh, 
The, the Bible is calling us to speak life and bear its fruit. It can change things. We have this decision to make. Am I going to speak life or not? You know, I heard about this couple that, uh, that was going through a rough time in their marriage. They were trying to dig out of it, and they made a decision that the first time they would see each other during the day, in any instance, in, instead of saying something not positive, they would say something good to one another, like a word of encouragement or... Um, or, uh, you know, a thank you or share a joy. And, and you know what? They, they did climb out. And when they looked back at, at what they did, what made the biggest difference, man, that was one of the most positive things that made the most positive change in what happened. And it's just, again, it just speaks to the, the power of words. And, and, and so, y'all, good words are always good. They're always good. They always bring life. And let me just say, we have a choice to make. You have incredible power in the things that you say, and so use them for good, right? And, and, and let, let me challenge you. How can you this week, uh, how can you this year as we step into a new year of school, uh, speak life into your relationships, to your spouse, to your kids, to your coworkers, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors? Think of one thing this week that you can do. Make one effort to speak life in, in, into the world around you. And I, and I think you'll get to eat its fruit. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for uh, how in the Bible you speak life to us. You speak the truth, and we hear it. And Lord, you free us, and you give us uh, this ability to, to lean into your grace and to be better where, than, than we are. And Lord, I pray that where the Holy Spirit has convicted our hearts, we, we would hear it and experience your grace, Lord. And I pray that as the Holy Spirit moves us to follow you, to let Jesus lead our lips, Lord, that we would hear you and, and we would follow you and we would speak life in the name of your son, Jesus.